0: We all moved ahead! We're gonna kick your ass!
1: Sad, sad. I wish we didn't have to do this show, Ian. I am so depressed. I really did cry last night. It's been less than four, um, 24 hours since we heard the devastating news that we lost what I consider maybe the last of the greats. Lemmy Killmeister has passed away. I don't think he's dead. Lemmy will never die. Lemmy's forever. But he's no longer with us, and this is the first day of being on a planet without Lemmy. And I really don't, I really can't deal with it that good. And I actually, I'm here drinking, and I never drink in the daytime. I do. I know. And I'm having Jack Daniels uh, with uh, Coke Zero, but I'm also having it straight uh, in honor of Lemmy. And uh, I, uh, I, I got to tell you, man, how odd it is, how I got the news. I was uh, lying in bed watching a Saxon documentary, which I, I do recommend. It's called Heavy Metal Thunder. Love it. Yeah, and I, I, saw, I was watching the scene of their first tour with Motorhead before their second album came out. It was the Bomber tour, and Saxon was opening, and they had little interviews with Lemmy. And they told all the crazy stories, how, you know, they would be banging girls and Lemmy would Lemmy and, you know, the three, uh, Fast Eddie and Filthy would take chicks into the bus and bang them. And they'd be in the same bus drinking tea, you know. And then there was little, little interviews with Lemmy. And then, like, the, uh, a classic line Lemmy says in it, like, Biff goes, yeah, you know, we're rock and roll this and that. And then Biff goes, uh, keep the faith. And then Lemmy says, keep mine, I never use it. (laughs) Anyway, five minutes after that scene, uh, you know, it moves on to like more, you know, the wheels of steel and stuff like that. I got a text from a friend that said, Lemmy died. And I was like, no, man, come on, you know? And I was actually getting sleepy. I was gonna take a nap and I was like, oh, come on. And I couldn't, I, I, I just got up out of bed and I went online and oh, I saw it on Blabbermouth and my heart just sunk. And it didn't really hit me till maybe about an hour later where I started listening to Motorhead and uh, when I heard the song, "19." Um, 1916. 1916, I lost it, man. I really did. And I was getting a lot of calls from friends. I want to give a shout-out to my friend Paolo, who desperately needed to talk to me because he was as devastated as me, but I couldn't answer the phone at the moment. I I had to compose myself. And then when I did finally compose myself, I called him, and he was in hysterics. He was uh, bawling like, you know... It really does feel like a, a, a family member. I mean, Lemmy's been there, you know, I, he's been there for me since April of 1981, was when I saw the very first Motorhead show, which I'll talk about that later. Uh, the very first Motorhead show in America was at the Miami Baseball Stadium, and I was there, and I want to talk about that. I know I've talked about it in past episodes, but I feel like I should explain it thoroughly later on in this episode. But I don't want to go too long-winded on this. I want to just say that I still am very devastated and I am very depressed. And You know, we all saw it coming, but I don't know about you, but I I still didn't want it to happen and didn't expect it to happen. Anyway, Ian, what are your thoughts? Oh, by
2: the way, I'm Ian. Ah, You hear that? Ah, that's not a beer cracking. That is me cracking a bottle of Jack Daniels. That I don't drink, by the way. I'm not a Jack Daniels fan, but right now I'm pouring this ridiculous glass of Jack Daniels. And I'm going to finish it off with some Coke. And, and a famous Lemmy line, you know, they asked him, they said, um, you know, why Jack and Coke? And he said, have you ever had Coca Cola by itself? It's terrible. <laughs> and uh, I
1: think that's awesome. You know, you know, it's funny. Uh, one of his last interviews, which I saw on YouTube, uh, he switched to vodka and orange juice. Right. And he was taking he was taking a drink. And he's like, "Oh, it's perfect." He goes, he's like, "The perfect drink." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, it tastes perfect, except for the orange taste."
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. What a horrible news. I'd called you to tell you that I'd sent you something cool, you know, some cool metal and shit online. And, uh, you know, you didn't pick up, and then you called me back, you know. And then I told you, and you're like, oh, awesome, awesome. He goes, have you heard? And I was like, what? You know, and you told me. And it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. You know, but, it, but in hindsight, uh, I'm glad it was you. I'm glad I heard it from you, that I didn't see it on the internet. I mean, it was shortly after. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, I'd rather hear it from you than anybody else, brother. And, uh, man, it uh, you want to talk about taking the wind out of my sails, you know? And, uh, you know, my old lady's laying right next to me, and she can hear you over my phone. I'm very, I, I have horrible hearing from years of metal shows. And she could hear my phone. She goes, "Oh no!" And it just like echoed. Like when she said, "Oh no," it like made it real. Like you said it. And I was like, uh, what, "What?" And then she said, "Oh no!" And I was like, "Oh my god!" And as soon as I got off the phone with you, I grabbed the Lemmy movie DVD and uh, and, and started watching it. And it was it was so sad. But you know, I don't I don't feel bad for Lemmy. I, I feel bad for us who have to live in a world without Lemmy, you know, because Lemmy lived the life of a thousandness, and uh, you know, the last thing he would want, you know, is anybody to feel sorry for him. But you know, we are the ones that suffer because now we are in a Lemmy-less world, and and that's horrible. I woke up this morning, and you know, took my girl to work and came home and all I watched today was like the special features. There was like four hours of, of, of bonus features on the Lemmy movie. The and special I
1: watched... features are better than the movie. Oh yeah, they're incredible. Yeah.
2: And I, I watched that, you know, and it's funny, uh, you know, people say that animals can sense shit. And I have a retarded cat. And I'm not even saying that like lightly. I mean, I mean, my cat's like literally retarded. Yeah, I, I met that cat. Yes, yes. And this cat... Normally he'd go about his. Sh- this cat would not leave my side, and I think he sensed my sadness. And uh, man, I've, I've just watched Lemmy. I, I had to go to the store, and uh, you know, driving all I listened to was Motorhead. And uh, man, it, you know, it, it's hard for me, but I, yeah, I, you know, Lemmy would probably say, "Don't cry for me, Argentina." You know, Lemmy'd be like, "Hey." Have fun and celebrate, and that's what Phil Campbell and uh, and Mickey D have said. They officially announced today that Motorhead is over. They didn't, a,
1: they didn't even have to do that. Come on.
2: Right, right. But I mean, I mean, in this day and age of you know Bobby Blotzer saying he's rat, you, you, you know, it, it's it's refreshing to see somebody say, "Hey, it's done." You know, there's no there's no shit without Lemmy. Now I I hope there is like a tribute concert. I would love to see a tribute concert. I'm sure there will be, where all the, the you know the past members and, and you know and fans and friends get up and celebrate the music of Motorhead and the music of Lemmy. I hope like Hawkins there. You know, I would love to see all this shit. But uh, you know I I, I, I don't feel sad for Lemmy. I, I I feel sad for me because I I miss him already. You know, and uh, he was a very very special person and a true hero in a world where there's not a lot of heroes there's not a lot of people you can really believe in and lemmy was one of the few that never ever ever sold out was always true to who he was true to what he believed in his music in my opinion they never made a bad album some i like better than others but i don't think there's ever like oh you know that one motorhead album that sounds like cold lake no that never happened it was always
1: Motorhead, and um, and they did actually do some left turns here and there, not many that were against the Motorhead sound, and if you ask me, every one of those worked. I'll give you examples, like some of uh, Another Perfect Day, 1916, some of that stuff, man, I love, and it's different, but I love it, you know?
2: Right, but but it, it wasn't like a blatant sellout. No, no, it
1: was, it was Purity. That's why it worked. It wasn't Lemmy trying to be different. It was Lemmy just showing another shade of who he was.
2: And, uh, man, I just, uh, I love this man. And this was one, like, I'm kicking myself in the ass because I've I've been very lazy about trying to get some bigger guests on the show because I knew, like, my internet connection. And I knew problems like, oh, God, I don't want to do that with a superstar. And I was like, oh, once I get this shit straight, which I just did a week ago, I was like, now I'm going to reach out to bigger stars to try to get them on the show. And Lemmy was definitely one that I honestly feel we could have got on here. I think Lemmy would have got this show. I think Lemmy would have been down with it. And and now I'm kicking myself in the ass because, you know, we could have had an amazing show with Lemmy. And because I fucking pussyfooted around, that shit didn't fucking happen. And I, I, I regret that. And that's another reason, you know, when there's bands like, you know, that are getting up there, if they come to your town, go see them, man, because you never know. All our heroes are getting older, you know, because all the people we look up to. I mean, I don't look up to fucking, you know, uh, Black Belt Brides or Avenged Sevenfold. All my my heroes. oh,
1: Oh my god, dude! I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just realized something. I saw the very first Motorhead show in America. And I saw the very last of Motorhead show in America. Wow, Pompano Beach. Because after that was the motorboat cruise. Wow. And after that was Europe. Wow. Oh wow! I just realized that right now, because you said when Motorhead comes to or older bands come to town, I was thinking, right. yeah, like Motorhead. Right. Motorhead was here, not even three months ago. You know. And I want to talk about that show, which. There's another reason why I'm very depressed. I'm uh, shocked, really, because of that show. But I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just I, I needed a... I'm drunk as hell, dude. I'm really... Uh, and it's 2.55 in the afternoon. And I never get drunk. And I've been drinking since one thirty.
2: Nice. Jack Daniels. Uh, yeah, I'm drinking this, uh I normally don't drink Jack Daniels, but this... Uh, Jack and Coke, I'm, I'm kind of seeing uh, his affection for it.
1: This is going down pretty good. Um, well, uh, you know, another thing, Ian, I want this show to be where we play songs in between our memories of Lemmy. Yes, yes, I, I would like that too. And I would like to give you the honor to pick the first song. Uh, unless you're still not done with your thoughts right now.
2: Oh, no, I mean, I mean we're, I, I'm babbling.
1: We're going to babble throughout this whole thing
2: because we're drunk and we're sad and shit's going to happen, but the reason I wanted to mix music into this episode is because this is a band that uh, unfortunately became like almost like the Ramones, where it's cool to wear a t-shirt, but not a lot of love. people know the genius of this real music, or they know Lemmy's this icon, but There's a reason he's an icon, and that's because of the music. And I would like to start this out with his band prior to uh, Motorhead, Hawkwind. And I would love to start this out with Silver Machine.
1: That was Hawkwind with uh, Silver Machine, featuring Lemmy. This uh, band prior to uh, Motorhead. Are you, uh, Ian? You aware of Zamko Pal?
2: I have no idea what you just said.
1: Uh, Zamko Pal was a uh, was a three piece in the '60s that featured Lemmy, and they had a record out. Uh, I, I don't know if the records call this, but I remember that there was a song called. Season of the witch or I could be wrong, but I believe it was season of the witch and Lemmy was in the band now Here's the funny story, and I will bring up the one and only time I actually met I've met Lemmy twice, but the second time doesn't really count because it was on the motorboat And I just met him for a few seconds and we took a picture together But the first time I met Lemmy with filthy animal and Wurzel Who we should pay tribute to both of them so much as well, man.
2: Yes, yes. You know,
1: we just we just lost Filthy and Wurzel we lost a few years ago. And uh, this show, I, I really, dude, when you put this show up, it should be tribute to Motorhead. Not tribute to Lemmy. And you know why? Because Lemmy would have loved it. Right. Because Lemmy loved Filthy, man. And he loved Wurzel. When, uh, one of his last interviews, Lemmy was talking about, they asked him about Filthy. And he said, yeah, "Yeah." and he went right into Wurzel as well and talked about how sad he was that Wurzel ain't around no more. Anyway, going back to when I met Lemmy, it was the 1916 tour, Hallandale, Florida, backstage. Lemmy walks out with two beautiful young chicks, and he's taking them to the bus to have sex. And, you know, there was a few of us back there. This was after they played, by the way, and I was fucking deaf because they were so loud so I couldn't hear well and uh, you know Lemmy's out there and he took the time you figure he'd want to get in the bus and fuck these two chicks but no he took the time he signed my rock and roll album he signed my uh, he signed like three CDs I brought I didn't bring too much stuff I had him sign a few things and uh, we got to talking to him and I remember one guy he wasn't a friend of mine he went up to Lemmy and he goes Lemmy, what did you think of Sepultura's version of Orgasmatron? And I was so deaf, I couldn't hear what Lemmy said. But Lemmy didn't look pleased, but I don't know. Maybe he was just making a joke.
2: Really? I thought that was an amazing cover. It is
1: an amazing cover, and maybe Lemmy said, I think it's fucking bloody great. But the way he reacted, his facial reaction looked kind of weird. So to this day, it always haunts me. I should have asked the guy, what did he say? Did he like it or not? I fucked up. Then I got a chance to talk to Lemmy and I said, Lemmy, I was there at your first show in the United States at the Miami baseball stadium. And he said, no, that I, that was my, that was the first motorhead show in America. I was here with Hawkwind. I go, oh yeah. And then, you know, he was signing my stuff and, and he goes, uh, and I go, yeah. And I've been a fan ever since Lemmy. He was very cordial. Then my friend, says to lemmy lemmy seasons of the witch rule zamko pal and on there lemmy just looked at him with an odd face a scared type of face put out his hand shook his hand and said okay guys gotta go (laughs) that made lemmy want to leave for some reason i guess he really didn't like zamko pal so that's my that's my lemmy story of when i met him it was brief it was maybe about four minutes tops and then I met Filthy, and uh, I caught Filthy's drumstick, and I asked him to sign it, but he wouldn't sign it. But he did. He go. He said, "Look, I don't draw. I don't sign drumsticks. I'll sign anything but drumsticks." So I can't say Filthy was a dick. He doesn't sign drumstick. Big deal, right? Well, it's probably a hard thing to
2: sign. I have a Mickey D drumstick from the first Motorhead show I saw.
1: Oh, cool. So yeah, so uh, Filthy signed my stuff, and I told him how much I loved them, and. You know, uh, and he was nice. He was very nice. Uh, and Wurzel was as nice as can be. That guy shook my hand so hard, he actually hurt me. It was the strongest handshake I ever had in my life. Uh, Phil was cool, too. Kind of quiet. Drawn back. He wasn't really talkative. At that time, he signed my album Wizzle, because that was his name at that time. Wizzle. Right. Right. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my Motorhead story. And, uh, I would like to go into a Motorhead song now, and I, I, really would, you know, hopefully I can play all my favorite Motorhead songs.
2: But yeah, of course you can. This show, this show, I don't care if it's ten hours long.
1: All right. Well, what I want to play now is not really a a, a very known song from the era where I met them, nineteen ninety one. Ninety one. Uh, this was a B side to the nineteen sixteen album. I don't know if they ever re released it and added it uh, as uh, the bonus disc. But I have this, um, I have the single for One to Sing the Blues. And it brings two unreleased tracks, and I want to play one of them that I've always loved. I felt like this song should have been on the album because it just kicks so much ass. This song is called Eagle Rock.
2: A great fucking pick. Uh, goddamn. I love hearing this shit, man. And I just... I want as many people as we can to, just to hear the music, you know? You know, we're going to tell stories and do all that shit, but I want people to, like, really listen to Motorhead and appreciate Motorhead as Lemmy and, and everything they've done. And... Uh, God damn! Just a great track, a great band, and again, someone, someone you can believe in. And when I first got into this band, uh, was late. You know, well, I mean, because of my age. The first song I heard from from Motorhead was "Eat the Rich." I saw the video on Headbangers Ball, and at that time, it's funny because I just came out of like. You know, I'm getting into metal and I'm getting into heavier metal. And, you know, I was like, I overreached my grasp. I'll never forget going. I bought Rain and Blood and Abigail by King Diamond on the same day. And I thought they were both horrible. I was like, okay, this is just, this is just too much. And not shortly after that, I see the video from Motorhead and I saw the eat the rich video. And I was like, Whoa, now this is heavy. You know, heavier than what I'm listening to. You know, this ain't Cinderella. This ain't Kiss. And it's fucking amazing. So I went out and bought the rock and roll album. And it's still one of my favorite. It's one of two albums that uh, that Lemmy complains about. Well, I'm, it's hard to say. Not complain. Uh, two albums he was critical on was rock and roll and uh, Iron Fist. And I love both of those albums. So do I. Uh, Just, you know, amazing. But for whatever reason, you know, I think it more had to do with the time of the album being released and and the drama going on than the actual songs themselves. But uh, right now, just, you know, for nostalgia's sake, I gotta play what was my first introduction to this incredible band. And now, Let's go to eat the rich.
0: you want Is it the meat you wanted to eat? How would you ever know? Hash browns and bacon strips I love the way that you lick your lips No fooling I can see it drooling Feel the hunger grow. Come on baby Eat the rich Let the it of the son of a bitch Give me no switch Come on, baby, I need the rich Come on, baby, I need the rich Come on, honey, here's your supper. Knees. Eat salad or snuff or grease You're on the shelf, you eat yourself Come on and bite my bone Come on baby, eat the rich Bite down, with the son of a bitch Don't mess around, don't you give me another switch Can't
1: Alright, Eat the Rich Uh, Motorhead off the Rock and Roll album. I love that album Ian, by the way. I do as well. Uh, Here, uh, people can't see it, but we're on web... Have you ever seen this, Ian? The movie. Eat the Rich, the movie. Yeah. Have you ever seen it?
2: A long time ago.
1: Yeah, Uh, Lemmy Lemmy plays uh, a hitman. Yes. And there is actually a scene with Lemmy and Paul McCartney. And another scene where Motorhead is playing in a little restaurant and Bill Wyman's there. A lot of cameos in the movie. Really great, great movie. Uh, you know, if you like that English comedy type jazz. Uh, it, it features the late, the late Rick Mayall from uh, The Young Ones. Yes. Which, by the way, May- Motorhead is on my all-time favorite Young Ones episode, uh, yes. U- University Challenge. Yes. Anyway, okay. Well, you're talking about how you discovered Motorhead, so... I know I've said this story before, but geez, this is a dedication to Motorhead, Lemmy, Wizzle, yeah. and Filthy, that I should tell, say my introduction. Tell it
2: again, man. Tell it again. It, it,
1: it's an amazing... It's, an, it's like the most amazing way to be introduced to a band. Was... Um, this is like 1981. It was maybe late 80 or early 81 because got to remember, I saw Motorhead in April of 1981. And back then, they promoted shows months and months before um, bands would come here. So, you know, I might have heard Motorhead either in late 1980 or somewhere early in 81. And the way I was introduced to Motorhead was the radio down here, WSHE, had a commercial. They never played Motorhead but they did have a promo for Ace of Spades because it was the new album at the time. And I do remember vividly, they played about 30 seconds of the song Ace of Spades. And that was the first time I ever heard Motorhead. And when I heard this, and in the commercial says, and be sure to check out Motorhead when they play the Miami baseball stadium with Hart and to Call," And I was like telling my buddies, we need to get there early. This shit sounds crazy fast and heavy and that's at that time that's all i was looking for because i found uh you know at that time i was into like iron maiden like you know diana was still in the band and judas priest and uh you know all this shit this was uh british steel and uh what else did i know you know
2: uh Uh, oh let me ask you i just saw uh ruben de la rosa I love that guy. Yeah, he, he posted a ticket to that show. Did you go with him, or did you not yet know him at
1: that time? I didn't know him, and he didn't go. He found that ticket online. I was like, oh, oh cool, because oh, so, okay. I don't, I no longer have my ticket. I lost. I'm not like Bill Wang. I lose. I lost so many tickets. Though I do have a healthy amount of tickets from the 80s. I still have my Randy Rhodes Blizzard of Oz uh, concert ticket. But either way,
2: so you have a ticket to ride, but the bitch don't
1: care. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but, so I'm telling my friends, let's go early. Let's see Motorhead. So, me and my friends went, and Motorhead was the opening band, and it was daytime. And I will, this is always going to stick in my mind, man. Seeing these three guys, and we were pretty close to the stage, and the whole stadium was sitting down. You, you, you heard me right. Yes. Everybody's sitting on the lawn watching Motorhead. Except for these two guys. These two shirtless guys. That knew every fucking word that Motorhead played that night. They knew every song. They must have been from England because at that time, Motorhead was huge in Europe. They were nobodies here. You know? So I remember also seeing a picture, I think in a magazine for Ace of Spades, and I'm thinking, oh shit, man, these guys look like ZZ Top. That was the first thing I thought of, you know. But uh, I saw the show. They floored me. I cannot tell you what they played. I know they played Ace of Spades. And it was the opening song. I do remember they opened with Ace of Spades. And the other thing I remember about the set list was they played Train, Kept a Rolling. All the other songs, I'm sure they played Stay Clean. I'm sure they played Overkill. Maybe The Hammer, Bomber, you know, stuff like that. I'm sure they played those... But I didn't know them yet. I didn't own no Motorhead yet. But I I was so impressed with this band that it became a mission to find their record, which didn't happen for like another six months. I couldn't find Ace of Spades in the record store. I couldn't find anything of Motorhead anywhere
0: <laughs>
1: until I found, and it's funny because it's a record store, a Latin record store that's still there, by the way, called Ricky's Records. They had no sleep till Hammersmith. And I was like, oh my God, Motorhead, finally. And I flipped the album over. I see Ace of Spades on it. I was like, great, it's got Ace of Spades. I'll buy this live album. Fuck it. Any Motorhead's good Motorhead. And oh my God, man, I'm glad I got that before Ace of Spades. Because that album right there is the best of Motorhead. And recorded better than the studio albums. It's to this day my favorite Motorhead album. You know, studio-wise, Overkill. Anyway. I never heard, when I took that album home and heard it, that shit is the equivalent of what you would consider, like, noisy, low production black metal. You know, you hear that today, it doesn't make no sense.
2: how did it go? (laughs) That's
1: what it sounded like to me back then, but I got it. And... I just thought the coolest thing ever about Motorhead when I listen to that album is that there's a part in the album where Lemmy coughs into the microphone. <clears throat> and then he continues talking. And I always thought that was the coolest, dirtiest, snottiest thing. So at that time, I walked around. And oh, and here's another thing. Lemmy, I mean, Motorhead totally changed my social life at the time too because none of my friends got it. All my friends that I would try to turn Motorhead onto, they were like, "That's garbage." I was alone. I was the, I was the 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 kid left out. I was the one that nobody understood Motorhead, and I, I never met anybody that understood Motorhead till like two years later, like till till another Perfect Day came out. Woo. That's when I finally met people that understood Motorhead. Anyway, uh. So but these are people that I still hung out with even though they didn't get Motorhead and a couple years later is when you know Metallica and Slayer Venom and all that I started getting into all that and they started getting into Bon Jovi you know the, the lighter shit and I met people that were into the heavier stuff so I so Motorhead was the first band that my friends rejected. Then, a year later, they rejected a shitload of bands, Hornsful Faith, that I was getting into, that I found other people. and You know, they lived on Miami Beach, where my friends in Hialeah, which oddly enough, Ruben Delarosa Rosa lived there. But I, I love di- that guy. I didn't know Ruben Delarosa. Rosa. Now, here's a funny story. I abandoned my friends, and I went to hang out with my new friends on Miami Beach, because they understood me better musically. I couldn't, I'm sorry, I couldn't, Listen to Bon Jovi and Jafria and all this. You know, I just couldn't get into this shit. So, hey,
2: a lot of my friends abandoned me when I started listening to Bang Tango. Well,
1: I, I, I thought of, I thought of it, dude. Thank God I wasn't around back then, because you know I would have. <laughs> they, I'm sure these people in Hialeah were listening to Bang Tango too. That was later though, but. Here's my point. When I abandoned, here's the funny ironic thing. When I abandoned all my friends and started hanging out with my friends on the beach in 1983, 84, that's when Ruben De La Rosa started hanging out with my Hialeah friends that love Bon Jovi. But okay. Ruben De La Rosa still loved the heavy shit. He was right. into Merciful Faith, but he was able to handle these guys better than I could. Uh, in his defense, he did know some people that were into the heavier stuff. I just never knew those people back then. Well, one of my favorite Motorhead albums, period, is Sacrifice.
3: Oh, God,
2: I love that album.
1: And one of my favorite songs off this album is a very deep track. This song. I love, it. I this, love them all.
2: I'm curious.
1: And this song is not your typical Motorhead song.
2: Okay, I want to hear this. But it
1: rocks hard, it's what closes the album. This, oh, yeah. This song's called Out of the Sun. <laughs> stones where I live. How
2: badass is that? <laughs> and and oh god damn, I just made a very strong Jack
1: and Coke. Yeah, mine's very strong too since I have no Coke in it. Uh,
2: man, I, I, I gotta tell you, this is the first time it, the last time I felt a loss like this was when Dimebag died. And when I, when I found out Dimebag died Um, I was at work, I'll never forget this I was in Florida at the time I was working at O'Galley High School And I was listening to Howard Stern And I heard it announced on Howard Stern And it just Fucking gutted me I I mean mean, seriously Like I had seen Dimebag Dimebag hit me in the head with his guitar And laughed at me And it was an amazing moment But uh, when I found out he was dead It just gutted me And I, I left work I left, we finished that job like around noon, and we had to go back to the shop, you know, to get our next call. And I told my boss's wife, I said, look, a friend of mine just died. I, I I, can't work no more, I gotta go home. And what I did was, I, uh, I went and bought a bottle of Crown Royal, which is another thing, I don't drink. I don't drink Jack Daniels, I don't drink Crown Royal, but uh, my heroes did, so to honor them, I went. And I bought a fifth of fucking Crown Royal, and got fucking thoroughly pissed. And uh, you know, and that—that's what I did today with with Lemmy. You know, it's like I went and bought this bottle of Jack and Coke, and, and and Jesus, you know, if I drink any soda, which I'm not a soda drinker, but uh, I drink Pepsi, but Pepsi doesn't go good with liquor. So I, I bought some Coke. I bought some Jack, and I'm getting thoroughly fucked up in Lemmy's honor i posted a picture on on our uh page uh w- which was a bunch of rolling rocks ready to get drank and some uh jack daniels
1: yeah your mom wasn't too happy about that by the way
2: oh i didn't see that she one. left a comment like oh no oh well you know they they never stop worrying but uh you know you talked about your first motorhead concert experience and i have to talk about mine and uh it was very weird. The first time I saw him was at OzFest and I got to say this is like the second OzFest. Second or third. It's it's 98.
1: Was it in West Palm Beach?
2: Uh, no. I went and saw the one in Orlando. It's okay. the only one I saw in Orlando. Every other one while I was in, well, actually all the other ones were while I lived in Florida. I went and saw West Palm Beach, but this one I saw the Orlando show because it was closer. And Motorhead was headlining the second stage, and this was their Snakebite Love Tour. And me and my buddy, my best friend Matt Pesanka, we're all excited, like, "Oh shit, we're finally going to see Motorhead! This is going to be awesome!" And it was, it was really sad. There was a shitload of neo Nazis. Oh god. Yo, oh, oh yeah, dude. I know. I mean, they were there in abundance. Skinheads with the Doc Martens, with the red suspenders. It was—I mean—and they were huge. I mean, they looked like steroid freaks and all this shit. And it was like, wow, wow, this is really gonna fuck up us seeing this amazing band. Because a lot of people, because Lemmy was so infatuated with you know World War II memorabilia, Nazi memorabilia, but he was far from a fucking Nazi.
1: He—he he made that very well known. But people, some people just don't want to hear the truth.
2: Oh, no, 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 They want to think he's with the cause, you know?
1: He said, if the and, Jewish army had outfits cool, I'd wear them.
2: Right, right, exactly. And uh, I'll never forget, while we are there, I was like, oh God, this is gonna get ugly. You know, before the show even started, you saw the crowd, you know, gathered around. And we saw this this kid, well, I'm not kid, he was an adult, but in a wheelchair. But this this guy had like Motorhead patch. He had like you know he had the denim vest, Motorhead patches all over on his wheelchair. Like on the wheels was all these Motorhead stickers and logos, and I was like, oh my god! And uh, the first song started, and all these Nazis were like the pit was like bad, you know. It wasn't like you know a pit. I mean I know you remember this, Ralph. You know, a pit was somewhere where you could, like, dance aggressively and get aggression out. And you could do shit. But if you fell, somebody would pick you up. It wasn't about hurting somebody. It was, like, aggressive, like, just, you know, getting aggression out.
1: Yeah, we were all, and somebody falls there's somebody there to pick you up.
2: Right. Well, this, this got very ugly very fast. And I see this guy in the wheelchair on the outskirts of the pit. And I, I looked at my buddy, Matt, and I said, if he, if something happens to him, I, I go, we're going to war. I'm like, that's all there is to it. I'm like, we might get our fucking asses kicked, but if something happens to this guy, we, we have to go apeshit. You know, we're, we are going to break noses. We are going to fucking kill somebody. And surprisingly enough, like, midway through the show, this guy wheels out through the middle of the pit, and nobody touched him, and nobody knocked him over, and I was so like, whoo, I can breathe now, because I knew, like, like, realistically, like, I will knock a motherfucker out, but I am by far, like, you know, the baddest motherfucker in the world, but I will knock a motherfucker out, but I was like, if anybody touches this guy in a wheelchair... I'll, I'll kill you! I'll, I'll kill you! Because this is so against what Motorhead is. This kid in the wheelchair is what Motorhead's all about. Not your fucking Nazi racist agenda. And and luckily nobody knocked him over, and I was able to half-ass enjoy the show. But at the same time, I was still really disappointed that there was that element at this show. It it, it was sad because that's not what Motorhead's about. At all. At all.
1: You should have went to West Palm Beach, because it was none of that shit. And Motorhead, they only played like a 30-minute set. Uh, and they destroyed every band. And Megadeth was there that year. And
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That that was the year uh, Megadeth. I'll never forget. Megadeth was on the main stage. Yes. And while we're talking about this era and this time, I want to play a song that uh, coincidentally goes right hand in hand with uh, the skinheads and the song is joy of labor and this is not a pro nazi song but it is an amazing song that's written from the from the you know the aspect of a nazi soldier and that is joy of labor let's go into it right now
0: see seeing the ground where we have held the wall. I was a young man then. I was a young man then, spending time on the kill. I've seen the ground where they all stood before I was a young man then I was a young man then Spending my time
1: Right, that was joy of labor I'll snake bite love uh, Ian's pick for um, uh, For this show and uh, we got a special guest we got the The uh, almighty drummer that will played with malevolent creation. He plays still with solstice He's been in De- demolition hammer. He's been in anger and most importantly He's the drummer of thrash or die and I'm talking about no another than thunder hammer himself Alex Marquez, how you doing, Alex? I'm doing about as good as you can do with the,
3: the situation of last night, handling it, and uh, it's a pretty somber day, man. Just down, man. Down a really big loss for, for, for metal, man. You know, without me, there's none of us. The thrash doesn't like this, let uh, so alone death metal or any of that. And it's just... Uh, it's a really somber day. It's, it's kind of a reminder of when Ronnie passed away, Dio. Uh, in some ways, it might be a little worse. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's it, They were both tragedies, but today it's just it's, it's, it's pretty bad.
1: It is bad, but uh, you know what, dude? I'm glad the last time I experienced the great Lenny Kilmeister live, I was there with you, brother. Let me tell
3: you, let me tell you a story about that, people, man. Fucking so uh, Ralph... I wasn't going to go to the show. I really was like, ah, Motorhead, I've seen Motorhead a thousand times. Uh, and he's like, come on, man, we should go. I'm telling you, you know, Ralph had been on the on the motorboat. And I told me he's not looking really good. You know, and I'm like, he was like, go, because it might be the last time. And I'm like, okay, so you know what, I ended up going. They were excellent. And boy, do I ever thank Ralph for, for pretty much making me go to that show.
1: Yeah, because, you, so, you know, like, You'd be kicking yourself now if you didn't go, dude. I'd be
3: more depressed than I already am.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it really does suck, but, you know, we're here to celebrate Lemmy, and I thank you for being on the show, man. But before you leave, Alex, I want you to pick, give me a Motorhead pick. What, What Motorhead song you want us to play? One of my
3: favorite Motorhead songs, it's really obscure, but it's from Orgasmatron, and it's called Riding with the Driver.
2: for the one and only alex marquez love you bro and uh ralph you didn't pick one off of sacrifice yet have you
1: yeah out of the sun but what the fuck let's make an exception you want something off sacrifice
2: all right i'm sorry uh i hate to break the mold but let's do the title cut
1: oh because what a and and probably my favorite motorhead video
2: oh yes by far no not
1: not by far because killed by death bro that shit rules
2: Oh, Kill My Death, but Sacrifice... Sacrifice
1: uh, is, is the best, though. That's the best video.
2: I, I hate to break protocol here, but, you know, it's a rock and metal combat podcast. We make the rules, and then we break them. This is the title track from Motorhead's Sacrifice. Um,
0: this is Sacrifice.
1: That was the title track to One of my favorite Motorhead albums Sacrifice You know the thing about Motorhead Like their later albums man You know You're not supposed to like them As much as the early ones You know You you realize that Like classic bands Never have albums That match the early stuff Not Motorhead man And Sacrifice is a perfect example of it Of how yeah The later stuff was just as good As the earlier stuff Though a lot of people will, Will probably be You know it's just hard for people to fucking admit that, but I, I can't, man, because I'm telling you, man, I put sa- I put Sacrifice above a few of those early classics. But, like I was saying earlier, you know, I did say, I have gone on record to say there's a couple Motorhead albums I do have a problem with, but both those albums, I, I, I do like songs off it, so it's not like... Not like a total, total loss.
2: Right. Well, they, they, they never put out like a horrible, horrible album.
1: No. Not even like the very first one, which is not really a Motorhead album. We did an episode yesterday, uh, which was Sad Wings of Destiny, Judas Priest. And we all agreed that that really is the first Judas Priest album. Because that's when they finally found their way. And I think Motorhead had the same problem. I, thought, I think Motorhead's first album is really overkill. But that first right. album was awesome. Right, but we, we both agree,
2: like, you and me, like, when we talk about Kiss, and we're both huge Kiss fans, you know, there's there certain albums we disagree. You love The Elder, I hate The Elder. We both agree, Hot in the Shade is a horrible album. But, Motorhead never put out a Hot in the Shade. No. You know, ever, ever. You know, mm-hmm. it just... They put out ones that you like better, but there's never one like where, oh, that is a terrible album. And and, and that's, that makes it even harder that you lost Lemmy because he never put out that like sellout album. That like, oh, this is our top 40 thing. They did detours here and there, uh, but it was always from the heart. It was never a sellout. God damn it. I Like I'm saying, dude, I don't feel bad for Lemmy me lived an amazing life. We're the ones that are suffering right now because we are in a lemmiless world and that breaks my heart.
1: And you know what, man, that the this feeling I'm feeling now is kinda like it's even harder than it was when we lost Joey Ramon. And I I have been been feeling this loss ever since Joey died. You know, then Dee, Dee and Johnny and then Tommy died. But ever since Joey died, I've always had that sense of emptiness in me. That there, we live in a world where the Ramones ain't going to come around anymore. Because I was so used to the Ramones being there for me. Where the Ramones were here way more than Motorhead. Because, you know, Motorhead unfortunately didn't have the big big following that, you know... Uh, you know, I mean, Ramones didn't have a big following either. They were playing clubs down here, but... I guess they had the financial needs to come down here every year and i always expected the ramones now the ramones broke up and i saw the last time i saw the ramones was the Lollapalooza show where they came out at two in the afternoon all wearing leather jackets i think that's what killed them <laughs> but um you know and and but ever since joey died i've had this sense of emptiness in me where it's like we live in a world without the ramones and now I'm feeling it again, but even worse. We live in a world without Motorhead. And, yeah. Motorhead. and Motorhead's been there for me as long as the Ramones. Maybe a year or two later, though they started basically around the same time, and Motorhead was around for a good four or five years before I discovered them. But Motorhead's always been there for me since 1981. That's already, we're going on 35 years of Motorhead always being there, always really, and always releasing albums. Every year, a new Motorhead album, and none of those albums sucked. None.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, Bad Magic was awesome. You know, I mean, now in retrospect, I have no right to complain. But you know, when I last saw Motorhead, I was like, how could you not play nothing off Bad Magic? It's your brand new album, and 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 you didn't play nothing off it. But now in retrospect, I'm like, fuck you, shut up. You got to see Motorhead again. You got to see Lemmy one last time. You got to see his very last American date. And you saw the very first Motorhead American date. It I feel like Wow, you know, I, I didn't think of that. And I wanna tell you if I didn't bring this up already, because I'm drunk, I might have, but if I didn't, I'll bring it up again. The proudest thing I can say about Thrasher Die is that we one night played the Culture Room and this guy walked in from Trauma Pictures and he saw his play and he loved us and he soon got in contact with me and asked me if we were to write a song for Return of Newcomb High so, so we said fuck yeah we'll do it so we recorded the songs we sent it to them and they featured it in the movie and in that movie Lemmy plays the President of the United States so in Technically, an offhanded way, there is a Lemmy connection with Thratcher Die. And that is the proudest thing I can say of my whole musical career. That I do have a connection somehow. That I am in the same project that features Lemmy Kilmeister. And that makes me so proud that... You know what, man? And I was already proud to be in this movie. Wow, I'm in a movie, you know? A a trauma movie. A trauma movie. And it features Lemmy and Ron Jeremy. You know, and, and, you know, it, it, it really does fucking make me smile. It, it was the first thing that made me happy since the news because that shit dawned on me. Dude, Ian, I haven't slept, bro. I haven't slept. Wow. I nodded off at work for, like, no, not at work. I nodded off at home. I nodded, Not work, not work. I nodded off at home for, like, a good 45 minutes. And when I woke up, I tossed a little in bed, and I thought... I want to make a Motorhead intro for our tribute, like make a little Motorhead mix. And that's what, you know, that's what you heard at the beginning of the show. And after that, I, you know, I went a little food shopping, and then I came back home and I started drinking at 1.30 and uh, I've been awake, man. And I I don't feel sleepy or anything, but I do feel extra, extra drunk. And uh, let's go into a pick. I want to play something like I, I touched upon it a few minutes ago and I want to play something off it because I really do, do love this album a lot. Which is the first Motorhead album. Yes. Yeah, it, it is a great album. It doesn't feature. Oh, I, I,
2: I hope you pick my song.
1: I don't think I do. It's a deep cut.
2: Okay, probably not
1: that. But, uh, I want to play Vibrator. Okay. That's not your pick, huh? <laughs> no,
2: no, but I love the song. I love it. My, I, my, mine's Lost John. Yeah, I I Lost Johnny's
1: awesome. Album. Yeah, yeah. We'll play that if you want later, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to play this song because, um, It's got it's different. It's and and it's punk rockish and punk rock wasn't around yet. Think about this. Motorhead was Motorhead formed one year before punk rock. But this does sound like punk rock to me. It's like a blueprint of punk rock. And I love the song. Vibrator, check it out. (laughs)
2: You nothing will. That was fucking vibrator. I'll tell you what. Let, let's go that shit sounded so good. Let's go right into another song. Let's go into Bomber. And I love that fucking album, but of course I'm not going to pick Bomber. That's too predictable. I'm going to go into
0: Sweet Revenge.
1: That was Sweet Revenge off the classic album, Bomber. Okay, I want to talk about, and I think this should be discussed because it's very important to this episode, is uh, Lemmy's final years. Well, final year, really. Um, All these problems that Lemmy was having with his health was not detected by the doctors till the day after Christmas. Um, Canceling shows, not feeling well, You know, they thought it was this and that, but they weren't sure. And um, two days after Lemmy's birthday, Lemmy's birthday is Christmas Eve, he turns 70, and he goes to the doctor two days later, the day after Christmas, he wasn't feeling well. And the doctor looked at him and about to send him back home and said, Lemmy, let's do a brain scan on you. So they did the brain scan, and uh, they found cancer in his brain and neck. Tumors, man. and they told him he had three to six months to live; that it was terminal. And uh, oh man! And the day after he passed away, uh, no, two days later. So Christmas Eve, his birthday, turned seventy. Christmas, you know, uh, in pain. I don't want to put myself in this because I didn't go through shit. I didn't have the greatest Christmas either because of kidney stones. And geez. I wish that was Lemmy's problems, huh? And uh, so now in retrospect, you think about it. um, All this problem that Lemmy was having on stage and stopping shows, and it was cancer. And his manager came out. I read this uh, online that everybody around Lemmy were all in shock. They couldn't believe it nobody would ever thought and Lemmy I hate to say was in severe depression because he made it known that he never thought he'd go out like this right. and he was very low and depressed when he found out that he only had a few months to live that maybe that did speed up his process of passing away because uh, according to his friend his manager that once lemmy got the news i mean he was already in bad shape as it was that after that when they told him lemmy you're gonna die you're you got terminal cancer um i guess he just gave up the will to live man and he died right away but you know what man he suffered enough so if he would have lived another six months it would have been a an existence of pain suffering right
2: right and and, and i'll say this dude i'll 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 this is something I mean this is me personally like nobody wants to die I know I don't wanna die but if if I get to the point where like okay it hurts to piss or it hurts to do this I don't wanna live you know or where I'm a burden on the people who love me you know I I don't want that but something I thought that was like really awesome Is They said that he died in front of his favorite video game And he played at the rainbow and they sent to his house and he was in front of that and it's like so like God damn man if that's what he loved You know and that's what he was in front of when and they said his family was there So I'm hoping his son was there You know his son that he was close with I hope he was by his side and uh man you want to talk about a, a touching point in the uh in the lemmy movie is when they ask him you know he's he's in this house like filled with uh all this memorabilia you know all the you know you know this nazi stuff and they're like what's most important to you in this in this apartment and he said my son and i just hope and pray, even though I don't pray, but you know what I mean. Um, that his son was right there with him when that shit happened. And his son even said, like, he was taken back. Like, he couldn't believe when his dad said that. He said, that meant everything to me. That he said I was the most precious thing in the room. And I hope his son was next to him, and he was playing the fucking one-armed bandit that he loved so much, and that's how I want to see Lemmy go out, dude, you know, and
1: I'm happy. Yeah, it does. It does bring me some comfort that he went like that.
2: Yeah, and 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 to know that. Uh, I mean, here's another thing to think about. Lemmy was 70 years old. 70 years old. This man lived a thousand lifetimes.
1: Something se- something that's very important to say. This man drank two gallons of Jack Daniels a day, three packs of cigarettes a day, and. Undisclosed other things. This is what this guy said. His manager friend. There's yeah. other little drugs the guy would do every single day for decades. Yeah, you know, uh, i uh, You know, and then we saw in the Lemmy documentary. Uh, what's his name from uh, Jane's Addiction? Dave Navarro. Yeah. Says, yeah. Oh, "Hi, you I'm. Le- hi, I'm meth. yeah. Hi, I'm Lemmy. You want some crystal meth? You know, it's just metal. So, this is a man that." Did some hard drugs, but Lemmy was a hundred percent against heroin. He never did yes. heroin, never did yes. heroin. And the reason yes. that is is because he lost somebody that I think was like the first person he really, well, really well, loved. Well,
0: he
2: he lost two people on heroin. He lost his best friend from childhood, and he lost the love of his life on heroin.
1: The first love of his life, I believe.
2: Right, right. But but I think he always went on to say that that was the one. And, uh, you know, and I'll tell you this, kids. Uh, you know, I joke around about doing a bunch of stuff and shit I've done. I did heroin once on accident, not knowing I did heroin. And it was horrible. It was horrible. Nobody, nobody listen to this show. Please, nobody do heroin. I mean, That's- God, I
1: mean, how, how many more examples do you need? Everybody that does heroin dies. There's right. not. right. And and let's say you survive heroin, you'd be still become a dog, that will that will sacrifice anything, sell your anything, your body, your, you will do have no dignity. You'll just you, you'll turn into a dog, uh, for, for this fucking dr- drug that will control your life. And Lemmy knew this, and Lemmy spoke out against heroin. Yes, but he didn't speak out about acid, even though the last time he did acid was 1976. He said a lot of good things about acid.
2: Hey, I love acid. I well like clean acid. I hate like nowadays you you can't even kids, don't kid yourself. You can't get clean acid. It's got all kinds of dirty fucking bullshit in it. Uh, that that boat is sailed. I'm sorry. You kids cannot appreciate real acid. But heroin, trust me, I did it once on accident. Wasn't happy. Lemmy was right. I mean, don't Fuck! Don't, don't don't ever try. That's, you know, we have a lot of young listeners. That I joke about different shit I've done. Never ever ever do heroin. Ever, ever. That shit never ends good. And Lemmy knew that. If Lemmy says don't do it, don't fucking do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for Christ's yeah. sake.
1: And you know what was great about Lemmy? Lemmy always also said, "Don't do anything. Don't fucking follow me." You know, it, it, what what I do doesn't work for anybody because he's seen, like, people do what he does and they still turn out to be on heroin or they die of, you know, alcohol oh, yeah. poisoning oh, yeah. or all oh. this shit. You know, it's like, Lemmy was a professional, you know? You, <laughs> can't, you can't be doing the shit Lemmy did. It'll kill you.
2: Scott, Scott Ian famously talked about the first time he met Lemmy. He goes, yeah, I tried to follow him drink for drink, shot for shot. He goes... I got alcohol poisoning," he, he said Johnny Z had to carry him over his fucking arm for like two days. You know, he said he was a wreck trying to do what Lemmy did. Lemmy was an anomaly, you know. And, you know, Lemmy lasted 70 years, but a lot of you, if you try to do what Lemmy does... You ain't gonna last five years. No, dude. I, you know, Ralph, see, I got this uh, bottle of Jack Daniels
1: at me, me too, too, man.
2: Yeah, but yeah, and and yours is way more empty than mine. But if I was try- to try to do this all in one day, I would be dead. Yeah, I would be dead. And don't don't try to, don't try to chase that ghost, or don't try to like be something you're not. Everything is great in moderation, but heroin is never great. Lemmy always said that, and if Lemmy says don't do it, don't fucking do it. You no, know?
1: Lemmy was a wise man, and. Yes, uh was. speaking about how wise he was, the next song I'm about to play shows what a genius this guy was. Listen to yes. these l- listen to these lyrics. It's uh off the album 1916. This was H- Lemmy's belief and hey man, maybe right now he knows it to be true. This song is called No Voices in the Sky.
0: Yes! <laughs>
2: That's definitely one of the standout tracks on 1916.
1: What's the use of crying for help when no one hears you scream? No one hears you scream! How genius is that, you know? Lemmy was really, really like, man, there ain't no God, you know, you really... But then again, Lemmy was wrong, because he is God.
3: Oh, God.
2: I I love, uh... God, I love Lemmy so much, and Here's one I I know like we just came out of a song, but I'm getting ready to go back into another song.
1: All right, let's go, let's go, man. Hey, dude, this is our show.
2: Right, and this is one that's that that's very important to me, and it reminds me not only one of my favorite Motorhead albums, but one of you know his favorite statements about uh, America. You know he you know Lemmy moved here in the early '90s, I believe. And he loved America. He loved America. I mean, he wasn't you know, he would point out problems with America, but he'd say, Hey, even with all these problems, America is a great fucking country. Yep. And he would talk about how America is all about like, you know, you know, smoking a pack of Marlboros and working on your Chevy in your driveway, but you just can't be seen smoking that pack of Marlboros in your driveway. <laughs> and and that's an amazing analogy about how we're supposed to be American but don't be caught being American because you'll get in trouble but what am I I think this is one of the best uh let me vocals of all time I mean really like I think his vocals soar on this song and this is off of Iron Fist this is America (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> my
1: America from the album Iron Fist the final album with the classic fast Eddie filthy lineup What a great solid album. That was uh That was actually my favorite album, you know, I mean all my my favorite studio album till I heard overkill Because back when uh, I first got into Motorhead. I didn't discover uh, Import shops yet there were around. I just didn't know about them So all I was able to get a hold of back then was um, No Sleep to Hammersmith, then my second album was Iron Fist, then I found Ace of Spades. So those three albums was the only three Motorhead albums I have. Go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I'm going to send this to you uh, through Mr. X, but I have a awesome bootleg copy of the last show they did with Fast Eddie Clark at the Palladium in New York. Is it, a, is
1: it an audience recording?
2: No, it's a soundboard recording. Fuck so yeah, awesome. send that,
1: send that. I need that. And that, cause I, I have no Facetti live stuff doing Iron Fist material. Oh, oh yeah, no. Yeah. no, no, that's not true. I do have that home video live in Toronto, which is a must. You ever seen that? Yes, I Dude, have that. That interview is classic when they're all hanging out and fucking filthy being funny as fuck. Uh, doing that little strip tease and shit um yeah live in toronto though. i'm sure that's probably on youtube that's that's the last uh that's with uh, fast eddie and that was iron fist tour so the only three albums i had was uh, iron fist and then you know um i did get another perfect day on vinyl when that first came out um i in order i got no remorse i got orgasmatron i got rock and roll and by the time i got rock and roll was when finally CDs took place. And that's when I ended up going and finding, like you see here what I showed you earlier, I still have the same copy. It's Ace of Spades and Bomber, two-in-one. This was one of the first ones I bought because I didn't have Bomber. I already had Ace of Spades, but fuck it. And uh, Overkill. And I'll never forget the first time I put on Overkill. I was like, this is the greatest motorhead album right here. And to this day, I still feel that way. Uh, I think Overkill is the standout album. I think, um, even though all that other shit fucking rules, but this album is just so full of fucking classics, like the title track, you know, so many great, great uh, songs. And what do you say we'll play something off this? Let me look. It's just so hard to pick one.
2: Uh, uh, They're all winners. Yeah, they're
1: they're all all winners. So, you know what? I'm going to pick a deep cut that fucking rules. And, yes. it's, and it's full of fucking attitude And it is the way you should fucking live This song is called I Won't Pay Your Price Off overkill. Oh yeah.
2: 1979, yeah. baby. So so amazing, so amazing. Oh my god, I love that song. And uh, you know, here's one. I I think I talked about this in the past, but it's it's very important. I have to bring it up again. Uh, my, I think I, we did play a song off this album. Uh, but I had a friend back in Florida. And this guy, I think I talked about it in the first Motorhead episode, but fuck it. Uh, this guy, Matt, was so amazing. This dude, this guy looked like Johnny Depp. I mean, so he was that good look. I mean, women lost their minds over this guy. And he became friends with my uh, next girlfriend of mine who worked at basically like a Hooters-type restaurant. And I was intimidated by this because he was just too good looking. I'm like, oh my God, you know, you're going to fuck this guy. I'm like, I'm like, he's too fucking handsome. And he threw a party and invited me and my old lady and he came up to me. He's like, he goes, dude, you're very, you know, you don't talk to me that much and stuff. He 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 goes, I'm not trying to fuck your old lady. He goes, I think your old lady's cool. He goes, I think you're cool. He's, He's like, I'm not trying to do anything. And it kind of set me at an ease, and we got to know each other. And he was the world's, uh, to this day, the biggest Motorhead fan I've ever met. And he wasn't into metal or anything like that. You know, he was in, like, all kinds of... He was more like a rockabilly guy, but he loved motoring. He drove from Central Florida all the way to uh, Brooklyn to go see Motorhead on the 1916 tour. I mean, this guy... Was all about Motorhead, and what's so awesome is that only was he like this pretty boy, but he didn't act like a pretty boy. He would walk into a bar, i don't this. He walked into a bar like wearing fishnet stockings, just like as, as as a joke, and didn't care what anybody thought. You know, he didn't use his looks. He was just a cool fucking dude, and uh, man he had like this hard spell with a chick and went to a real bad space and I, I kept telling him like dude you know come hang out with me Melissa Motorhead will have fun and he was kind of withdrawing from everybody and I went to a record store and I found Motorhead Rock and Roll which was one of his favorite records on vinyl so I bought it and I gave it to him and he came when he came over to my house and I gave it to him he started crying. Wow. I, I mean, he was he was like, "Dude, you don't know what this means to me." He's like, "He's like, you know what Motorhead means to me, but you don't know what this means to me." And he came back the next day with a copy of a live two that he gave to me. He go, he goes, "Dude, I don't I don't know how else to repay you." He goes, "I know you're like this huge Kiss fan, you know." And it didn't have the stickers or anything, but it had the booklet. And he goes, I, I don't know how to repay you because you gave me this pristine copy of Rock and Roll Online, and um, unfortunately, this guy who had the world that you know, you know, he was so seriously. Th- this was like a Bradley Cooper, uh, you know, Johnny Depp, good-looking dude, but he didn't act like it. You know, it's like he was just he was a metalhead like us. Well, in a way. I mean, he loved Motorhead. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, he didn't act like he was this pretty boy. But he had this girl that broke his heart. And he ended up killing himself over this girl. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he he drove his motorcycle into a cement post. Damn, man. To, Yeah, to kill himself. And I think about this guy all the time because he was the salt of the earth he was an amazing guy and he had demons just like anybody else you know everybody has that one thing that hurt you that did something and well you know I'm not gonna glorify how he went out or anything like this but I'll always remember him as the ultimate Motorhead fan and he always told me cuz he knew I was going through troubles with this girl at the time And he would always recite the lyrics to to rock and roll. You know, look at you and love know, know, Leaving me like everyone else. Leave me like all the others. Leave me by myself. And he said, when it's all said and done, he goes, all you have is rock and roll. Yep. You you know, women will break your heart. You know, friends will let you down. But in the end, the only thing that's true is pure rock and roll and uh, my brother Matt I will never forget you and for you I want to play the title track off the 1987 album rock and roll
1: was rock and roll off the album rock and roll going out to Ian's friend Matt who's a big Motorhead fan who sadly passed away and uh, hopefully he's hearing us with Lemmy right now you know wouldn't it be be awesome he's hanging out with Lemmy right now that would be the shit
2: you know what I don't believe in the afterlife or anything like that but uh, it would be nice it would be I just pictured him with fucking like Weird stockings on, sitting next to Lemmy, drink both of them drinking the Jack and Coke, and uh, that brings a tear to my eye, dude. I, uh, you know. I, I, I,
1: I, it's not that I don't believe, I don't know, but yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that you know, I know. I mean, you know, in times like this, you know, it's not something that I dwell on what happens after we die, but then when somebody like Lemmy dies, and the story you just said. Right. It makes me think, man. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an afterlife, and Lemmy was right now sitting with your friend Matt on one side, and Filthy Animal on the other side, and Cliff Burton serving them drinks, and Wurzel. And, and Wurzel there, fucking playing pool behind them. I mean, yeah, uh, it, it, it's a it's a beautiful thought to have, you yeah. know, like you know, like
3: yeah,
1: it's a, it's a I, nice little fantasize, uh, something to fantasize right. about.
2: I, I don't I don't believe it for a second, but god damn it would be nice.
1: Neither did Lemmy though. Neither did yeah. Lemmy. You know Lemmy yeah. was uh very vocal. One yes. of his one of his uh one of his quotes that I keep seeing now after he died was fuck God, fuck the devil, um I and mean, fuck the church. The, right
2: what, whatever I did, I did
1: it. He said he said, The devil didn't make me do it whatever i did i did it it was me so i take full responsibility for it and you know what that's true man you can't blame the devil take responsibility for yourself and you gotta you gotta love that he was very anti-censorship it would really piss him off when you went back in the 80s the whole tipper gore thing and he even said here he goes hey man i'll tell you one thing that's one thing i can tell you england is better than america about
2: Right, right.
1: Uh, The whole this whole thing, this shit would not this shit would be laughed at in England. You know this whole backward masking shit. Well, the
2: the the funny thing about England, and and I would say Europe in general, uh, that's totally different from the United States. Is in Europe, uh, violence is very looked down upon. Yes,
1: and you can Uh, see you can see nudity on TV.
2: Right, right. You can see a titty all fucking day.
1: But not not violence on TV.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Violence offends Europe. But in America, it's the opposite. I mean, you can show, like, lethal weapon all day and people's cocks get hard. But if you see Janet Jackson's titty in the Super Bowl, people lose their fucking minds. And this happened to me on an airplane. I was watching this incredible series that used to be on Stars called Spartacus. And every scene was either somebody getting like, you know, their entrails ripped out or they were fucking. And I got in trouble for watching it on my laptop. And it was it was so funny. Uh, the, the, this total uh, effeminate stewardess came over and goes, uh, we've had uh, some responses about the scenes of love in the show you're watching. You know, it's like, had nothing to do with, like, the fucking titties. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Nothing about, like, the entrails getting ripped out. But you show a fucking titty, in America, they lose their fucking mind. And it goes back to what I said, you know, uh, Lemmy's comment about, like, you know, America's all about working on your Chevy and smoking a pack of Marlboros, but you can't be seen smoking that pack of Marlboros. Right. And, uh, that's, that's one th- I And I love America, but, uh, that's where we are totally ass backwards. Violence here is okay, titties are bad. Europe is the opposite.
3: There you go.
1: Yeah, it, 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 and Lemmy was very disgusted, but at the and then on the same breath he goes, "But other than that, I love America." You know, he's like, "Oh yeah, oh he, he loved he loved America." He said, "He, he said it. he goes, don't get me wrong, you know, because there's other things about your uh, England that you know are fucking terrible compared to America, but." uh the one thing i c- I just find so ridiculous, and he was so fucking right, you know and uh and with that let's uh I think this is a good segue for this song uh, all right
2: i'm excited
1: yes it is it, it is a sexual song, ooh, and I'm having a hard time picking between these two
2: all right so so your two songs plus. Love me like a reptile.
1: Okay. Let's do it. Let's
2: that let's do three motorhead songs in a row. A triple shot. A triple fucking shot for Lemmy.
1: Because
2: I I need to refill my glass. light, light. Classic album. Oh, my God. What a classic album. But, you know, there's another album that's kind of, like, weird in the, uh, the, thisography, if you will, of, of Motorhead. Because it's the only one to fi- to have Brian Robinson. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, uh, this is one we reviewed
1: earlier. We did do a review of this album. That's yeah. A- you- Way yeah. early. It was one of our first episodes.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was in the first
1: 20, but uh, it was a great one that, Ralph, you know, you picked this one. Yes, I did. It's a criminally underrated album, yet it's very respected And uh, for, from the hardcores, and many hardcore Motorhead fans think this is the best one.
2: Uh, Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but, I mean, you've you got to give it props. You've got to give it Uh, You know, I love the album. I I love the album. Check out our review of this. But most importantly, uh, you know, let's just shine a little uh, backstory on this. Fast Eddie Clark, my favorite guitar player of all time in Motorhead, which that is no slight on Phil Campbell because Phil Campbell, to me, does no wrong. I... There, there is nothing to bitch about about Phil Campbell. Or,
1: or Wurzel, man.
2: Oh, yeah, Wurzel. I love Wurzel. I love Wurzel. But to me, the most original, is like, you know, coming from somebody, you know, I'm going to give you an analogy as a KISS fan. Uh, Fast Eddie Clark is the Ace Frehley of, of Motorhead. I mean, you know, he's not Joe Saturani, but he has a sound that's all its own. Yes. And, and, and i love fast eddie clark but when he was gone they got this guy from another amazing band holy shit fucking thin lizzy you know another band check out we have we have a couple of thin lizzy episodes but uh this was a very unique album that divided fans but a lot of fans enjoy this is off of another perfect day this is shine <laughs>
1: That was Motorhead with shine off the criminally underrated album another perfect day, you know, not a lot of you Um, I would say casual Motorhead fans You know what I I, that I think that album's a great gateway to Motorhead fandom You know what? I mean, it it, it does have some commercialism some more uh, straightforward and not so they did, they did try a little different. You know, uh, let me tell you, here's another story. Going back, back in the day, this radio station used to have this, uh, it was a show on Sunday nights called New Releases. And okay. And they played, the first time I ever heard anything off Another Perfect Day, they played I Got Mine from Another Perfect Day. And I got to tell you, dude, to be honest with you, when I heard it, my first thought was, well, they sold out. This is commercial, you know. But now you listen to "I Got Mine," and it's like, okay, it may be a little nicer sounding, but it's still dirty as fuck, as the rest of the album is. It's uh, you know, Motorhead did not compromise. They just said, look, let's. You know, you know, I I feel like the change in that album had everything to do with Brian Robertson, you know.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. This was something you know, I, that, that will mirror that a little bit. Uh, when I first like really, really got into Motorhead, and I was like, you know what, this is the band for me. The first album I bought when I was like, this is it, was a live album they put out called Everything Louder Than Everything Else that was recorded in Germany. And I still think, I'll put that right up against Live at Hammersmith because I think that album's that good. But uh, then there was a, a compilation put out called The Bronze Years, which Bronze was their record label in Europe. And uh, so I'm listening to all these like classic Motorhead singles, and then when it came to the singles off of fucking Another Perfect Day, I was like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? But at the same time, I was like, these are great songs. I mean, they were really really good songs, you know, and and Lemmy was very vocal about uh, what Robo added, and and specifically uh, Filthy Animal, too, because Filthy Animal left Motorhead to go do a band with Robo. That never happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and another very eerie thing about that song Shine was uh, yesterday on the Dr. Fuck Radio Show Facebook page, I always put up song of the day so my song of the day yesterday was shine uh the motorhead shine from this album and that was eight hours prior for us finding out the news that lemmy passed away so i found that very eerie how i picked that song and and it was weird how i picked it because i was brushing my teeth and for some reason that that riff that Came in my head Just came in my head Yeah That just came in my head So I walked over to the computer Went on YouTube Found it and put it up on the Dr. Fuck This is a song of the day Oh Motorhead Shine And also it makes me think Was Did Lemmy just pass away While that was happening You know what I mean Because you know Lemmy didn't pass away And they put it up five minutes later I'm sure they kept it hush-hush for a few hours, because he did die yesterday. But I am not—I'm not too clear of what. But it was exactly eight hours prior to us getting the news, so I'd say roughly it was like 10 in the morning. I put it up, something like that. Yeah. So, um, man,
2: I—it I,
1: it, it, this is. Look, look. I,
2: I, it, it, it's hard to say, brother. It's hard to say that Lemmy is dead. That is so. He, it, I,
1: I can't. I can't admit it. I, I. I see it more as Lemmy has left the planet. You know, he's not dead to me, man. Lemmy lives, man. He will live forever. I, I, I. know, but it's. Know. It's hard to have that word attached to him. Right. I, I can't. I can't accept it. I'm, I, I. just can't accept.
2: it. Oh, like like somebody posted the day. They said, like, if you go on Wikipedia, they list Lemmy as a former member of Motorhead. I,
1: I saw that and I was like, why the fuck would somebody do that? He's not a former member. There's, there, there's, the former members have already happened. The current lineup of Motorhead, as of today, the day after Lemmy died, is Mickey D, Phil Campbell, and Lemmy Kilmeister. Lemmy is not a former member. Lemmy is Motorhead. Okay? So, Wikipedia should be fucking banned now, you know? They should ban it like they banned Terrence. Exactly. Oh, I'm glad you said it for once. Well, I didn't say nothing bad about Terrence. I'm just speaking the the truth. But, But,
2: uh... Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, uh...
1: I gotta That's, tell you, it, it,
2: it, it's a hard pill to swallow, dude. It's a hard pill to swallow. That honestly, you know, it's like I was watching all the special features on the Let Me DVD today, and I, I, I'm smiling, I'm laughing, I'm tearing, and all this. But like at certain points, it's like I, I don't know that he's dead, and then other points, it's like it's a past tense. And, you know, there's a point where he's doing an interview and they're asking about, like, when he dies and he says, hey, I don't want to talk about when I die. And there's an interview with, with fucking Triple H, the wrestler. And, and and he goes, yeah, well, this, you know, will be when he's dead, you know? And it's like... Man, I'm re- I'm really fucking... I haven't felt anything like this since Dimebag, dude. I'm going to be real honest, dude. This shit is really hit me hard dude and uh, how in the fuck are we in a world without a hero you know, a he- Lemmy is a hero, Lemmy never sold out, Lemmy was himself through and through in an era where we have nothing to believe in, like everything that happens now I question I don't believe anything. I don't believe anything. But when Lemmy said something, I believed it. Because I knew it
1: was from the heart. And and there was never, ever, ever a story about Lemmy. How he fucked somebody over. Uh, right. Or, or a past member talking about how fucked up Lemmy is for doing this and that. Wurzel. Um, even Robinson. And, and, and Fast Eddie. And Filthy all have nothing bad to say about Lemmy and another thing, I saw this I was watching a lot of interviews last night at work, uh, Lemmy interviews and there was an interview when they just released March or Die and they and it was him and Wurzel and they asked Lemmy what happened with Filthy Animal and Lemmy alluded, alluded it wasn't really it was mutual but it wasn't really that that uh Friendly, and then when they press the question, Lemmy, put his foot down. Says, "We're not talking about this. We're just not going to talk about it." You know, because if he did, he'd be throwing filthy under the bus, and that wasn't Lemmy's style. Lemmy, when Lemmy ever did say something naive about anybody, which uh, the only time—I mean, I'm sure there's many times—but the only time I can remember Lemmy saying anything not negative was about Penelope Spears, Uh, the the girl that the lady that. The decline. Uh, He was really bothered that she interviewed him without her being on camera. That really bothered him, and she even said it too. She said, "Oh, Lemmy was a pain in the ass. Lemmy was so horrible to deal with." You know.
2: And I'll tell you, you you know who I really, I, I really feel sorry for today more more than like I can feel sorry for myself to a point, but the one that. What really breaks my heart is what's happening to Fast Eddie Clark right now.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Because in less than a month, filthy has gone and and Lemmy's gone.
0: Yeah. And he
2: is he is the only one left of that group and I I can't imagine what it was like to be a part of something that was that important you know and Americans might not understand as much as in Europe I mean you know no sleep the Hammersmith was a fucking platinum album it was a number one album it was all this you know but you know shit went south but it's like you know you would totally think that Lemmy would be the last one alive but now out of the classic three in under a month filthy died and Lemmy died, and now all you have is Fast Eddie. And, uh... One of my favorite guitar players of all time. I put Fast Eddie up there with, like, Ace Fraley. I mean, I I really do. Is like, you know, you might not be the most technical, but you had a sound that is all your own, that people love, and, uh... His friends are gone, man. His friends are gone, and that... That's... Like I said, I, as sad as I am, I'm, there are people way more sad than me. People who knew Lemmy. People who were part of the road crew. People who loved him. People who knew him for years. Have a way harder time than me. And I'm having a real hard fucking time, dude.
3: It's, (laughs) oh, God. I'm,
1: woo. Yeah, me too, man, you know, um, I had, a, I, I fucking, I lost it last night, man. I'm a little more composed now, but, um, there, uh, when I, when it finally hit me, you know, I, I was very, it was 1916. I, I was just playing his music and when that song came on, it really hit me, especially when the cellos came in and I knew how important that song was for Lemmy and he got some shit for it too, because Motor, I never did anything, and he was like, "Screw you! This is what I want to do," and that really hit me. And it was a, it was a song very close to Lemmy. It was probably Lemmy at his most personal because you know how he loved the war uh, right. stories with the war, and it just hit me hard, man. And then my friends were calling, and I was crying, and I couldn't compose myself. So, yeah, let's uh let's play 1916.
2: How, how about that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Ooh.
4: fight for a land fit for heroes God on my side and a gun in my hand chasing my days down to zero and I marched and I fought and I bled and I died and I never did get any older but I knew time that a year in the line was a long enough Ready for history's pages And we brawled and we fought And we hoarded till we stood Ten thousand shoulder to shoulder A thirst for the hum We were food for the gun And that's what you are Coughing blood as he screamed for his mother And I fell by his side And that's how we died Clinging like kids to each other And I lay in the mud And the guts and the blood And I wept as his body grew colder And I called for my mother and she never came Though it wasn't my fault and I wasn't to blame The day not half over and ten thousand slain And now there's no...
2: Alright, that was off of 1916, Uh, love that fucking song, and here's one that means a lot to me, this is off of an album that is criminally underrated, and if you don't know it, shame on you, it's off of Overnight Sensation, this is I Don't Believe a Word.
1: That was, I don't believe, a word off the... Oh, that was a very underrated album, too. uh, Overnight Sensation. They were on a roll during that time, man. Uh, Album after album after album. Sacrifice that. We Are Motorhead. It was just some great stuff, man. Going on in the the later years. But, you know, something we haven't really touched on was... uh, The revitalation... uh, The the, the re... I'm drunk. I'm trying to find that word. The re... uh, I don't know, invigoration, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But when when Motorhead got a shot in the arm uh, was when Mickey D joined. Now, technically, Mickey G joined with uh, March or Die. But on yes. March or Die, it wasn't... You didn't really hear Mickey D do his magic. His insane drumming that we all know from his days in King Diamond. But the next album, Bastards. Oh, ho, ho. one of my favorite. You want to talk about a relentlessly heavy, heavy fucking album. And I'll never forget after 1916 March or Die, which they were a little more. Uh, I wouldn't say slower, but a little more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not so cutthroat brutal as Bastards because Bastards is so full of. Insanely crazy songs that I'll never forget On headbangers ball when they debuted the new video from this album the song burner Love um, it. Oh my god. It was it, Dude, this is like a this song sounds like from a new band You wouldn't believe this is more. This is like the fastest craziest motorhead ever You know in this the video the song I was like Oh, fuck. And it was, uh, I believe, the last album with the late, great Wurzel. And uh, Bastards is an amazing... That's an album, man. I would put that in my top five. And it's an album we haven't talked about in this whole episode, but it should be up there. Because it was Motorhead saying, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck you, Sony Records. Fuck you, all this shit. Because they were on Sony Records. And they were no longer on Sony. they like, you know what, man? Let's just do a fucking... You know, Lemmy, and I love Lemmy for this. You gotta love Lemmy for this. In interviews during the 1916 and 19, and March or Die, he would say on video, he'd look at the camera, he's like, buy it, buy it. I'm tired of being poor. Buy it, you know? Because I'm sure he was under pressure because Sony Records expects, you know, big sales, and he figured he was gonna live easily if they did good. Now... I guess since uh, those two didn't sell as well as uh, Sony Records was hoping for, I think that pissed Lemmy off. And it showed on the next few albums. Cause Sacrifice came after this. And... So let's play Burner, man. This is a song that I just, love
2: this song.
1: I this song it. this is this is Lemmy like, you know, fuck you. We're motorhead. You don't wanna buy it, I don't give a fuck. I got my loyals that love it. So this is my this is me releasing my fucking anger. And check out this fucking drummer I got that's going to help me fucking release this anger. This is Burner. So we come to the end of the show. Ian, man, this has gone on for three fucking hours. Can you believe it? And I think it's, it's, we we could have done 10 hours, but. Yeah, exactly. We're too polluted. So um, I think it's time to bring a close to this. But before we do, and before we say our goodbyes to the great Lemmy and Filthy and Wurzel, uh, we do want to let everybody know, some of you are probably saying, hey, man, you didn't play killed by death. You didn't play, you know, uh, Ace of Spades, and you didn't play this and that. Well, the thing is, I mean, we, we like every one of our podcasts, we wing it. You know, we didn't play like Iron Fist and, you know, Sex and Outrage. I mean, there's so many killer that we'd be here for 10 hours if I wanted to play all the Motorhead songs I like.
2: I'm so drunk, I can't even remember what we played.
1: I know. So we're going to put a close to this with, uh, I see we're, we're, Coming down, i say we can fit two more songs on here. Let's celebrate the life of Lemmy, everybody uh, that's listening tonight. Next time you have a drink, drink for Lemmy, man. Because I plan on doing that every time I drink from now on. For Lemmy, Filthy, Wurzel. Toast to them, man. So you got any final words, uh, Ian? Uh. Just that uh, we we hope we honored Lemmy's uh,
2: memory right, and uh, much like Motorhead, we try to be that podcast that if we move next door to you, you know your lawn would die. That's and, true.
1: This is my pick, and I know what Ian picks, and it's a great way to end this show. But this is a song that you know we haven't played yet, and it is probably my favorite Motorhead song. So ter- well. turn this fucker up.